We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Everybody doing this morning? Welcome to Life Point Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. If you would, please grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 35. John 6, verse 35. And it writes, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never never thirst. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 through 21, It says, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made whole. When you are hungry enough, when you're starving enough, when you want something more than what this world has to offer, you're going to do something that you're not Uh, normally about to do, something that you're not comfortable doing. You're going to step out of your comfort zone to get what you need in that particular moment. Just as for people who suffer with substance abuse or maybe a food addiction, whenever they're hungry enough or they need something in them in that that moment, they're going to do what it takes to get that. And the same way applies to the Word of God in our life. When you're hungry enough, when you've got this void in your soul, when you're staying up late at night and you've got these things worrying you, you've got a lot of turmoil in your mind, when you want something to fill that void, something that can really bring you peace, you're going to do whatever it takes, no matter the cost, to get to that point. There's a lot of turmoil and worry in this world concerning the future because we don't know what tomorrow has to hold or who is going to do this to who. But we've got one faith, one God, and one Jesus that we're all living for. And we don't have to worry so much because the Bible said that these things are going to come to happen So you don't need to get so worked up and so stressed up about all these things that are happening in our life. Because the Bible has called that all these things are going to happen. But it's up to us in these end of times to hone in on what the Word of God has for us today. And the word that I have to bring you this morning is when you get a hold of the hymn. When you get a hold of the hymn. So let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you for this day. One more time, God. We're a blessed people, but only because you allow us to be blessed, God. We're thankful for another opportunity to come into your house, God. And just lift you up and learn something new about how great your word is and how powerful you're moving on each and every one of us, God. I ask that you just soak us in like sponges this morning, God. Let us breathe in your word, God, and let us share it with the people of this world, God. This world is in a lot of turmoil and a lot of mess, God. But we want to take something here today, God, and apply it to how we can use it for your greatness, Lord. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. In recent years, we've all heard some of these phrases. If you come in contact with someone who's been exposed to COVID-19, if you touch something that someone else has touched, if you are within six feet of someone, you are liable to catch this sickness. But if you catch it, you must quarantine for 10 to 14 days, give or take, right? We've been told these things. Symptoms may include fever or chills, cough, shortness of breath, or difficulty breathing, Fatigue, muscle or body aches, headache, nausea, sore throat, loss of taste or smell. A lot of these things 
that we hear about. We don't want none of that. But the world that we live in today, they've become so hesitant to come over and shake hands with someone, give someone a hug around their neck, pray over someone, just because of these things that we've dealt with in recent years kind of make us kind of hesitant whether or not we should do the things like we used to in this day, right? But just as some people were scared or concerned about walking into public settings, some of us today are, are scared to step out of this little box that we got, that we think that when we come into church, that we're confined to this pew, like it's our safe place, our sacred place, that this is where we must be, that uh, whatever happens, happens. I don't want to do anything different. I don't want to go and do something more for God. I came here to be at church, but I don't really understand, or I just want to be in this place because this place makes me feel like home. That someone else may see you or think that you're hurting or you're going through something, that they may think that something else or something different of you, that you've got a lot of issues, you've got a lot of problems in your life, that you've got all this baggage, and you don't want someone to think that you're so much different than them, that you've got a lot going on. But you don't want people to see that hunger that's built up inside of you, that hungerness for God. But that's the thing about being hungry. When there is no hunger for the presence of God, it is a strong indicator that something spiritually is wrong in your life. Because hunger is so basic to human nature, it oftentimes finds fulfillment in other areas of our life besides God. Much as eating unhealthy junk food can fill a a dull appetite, so much that is not of God is going to consume your appetite. But the same way we have the need to eat when we get hungry is the same way we need to worship in the house of God when we have questions about our life, we have questions about tomorrow, we don't understand that things are going on in our life. We need to use our hungerness and turn that to praise to him. When we read about the woman with the issue of blood, we read about a woman who is suffering with a physical issue, something that can be physically seen. Now, maybe some of us today, we don't have a physical issue, but maybe you've got questions in your mind, you've got doubts, concerns, or things that are building you up and kind of eating at you each and every night. So maybe you can relate in that way in a sense. But she, she used all of her money to go to physicians and doctors trying to search for something that the world could offer to heal her issue. Now, some of us, we may not have a physical issue, but you may be asking yourself today, why do I need to go to the house of God? Why do I need to come to this place? Where is my God in this situation? These things that are keeping you up. But just because you don't have a physical condition doesn't mean that you don't need the presence of God. Because when you start filling yourself up with the things of this world, you're soon going to forget about all the goodness and all the mercy that God has allowed us to have. This heart that we got so beating today, it's not by accident that you were here. It's not by accident that you got air in your lungs. None of this was happenstance or some big explosion and you're just here by accident. You were here by choice and God made you for a reason. And these things that we learned today, we can apply it and we can learn something from it today. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 8 verse 44, came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. When worry keeps you up at night, when these things torment you and you got the devil pressing on you, when your jaw's been wanting to nag at you for wanting to believe in God or take time out of your day to just have a moment of yourself to talk with God, know this, you can come into the house of God without fear of judgment. You can come into the house of God and remember, we live in a free country. There's people in other countries who get beaten, who get killed, beheaded, encamped, enslaved. 
all because they proclaim the name of Jesus. But let this be a reminder. You can come here and you don't have to feel judged. You can have a free worship experience. You can have an apostolic experience where you can raise your hands without someone else pointing at you and looking down on you. You can come into this place, even though you've got issues. It may not be a physical one, but you can take them to the Lord and let him fill your appetite. Because there's a different kind of cloth, a different kind of friend, and a prince of peace who's waiting on each and every one of us to just reach out your hand. I don't care that you've got all this baggage. I know you've been dealing with this and that. I know you've got friends who look down on you. But God doesn't care about these things that are weighing you down. He just wants your obedience. Hey, I know you've got all these things going on in your life. But I just need to know that you'll give me your all whenever you don't feel your all. Because I can do a whole lot with just your little if you'll just give that to me. Something that gets my attention in this passage but goes just a little bit deeper than what we, what we may read. This woman, since she was constantly bleeding, a physical condition, she would have been deemed unclean by the Jewish law. And when she was unclean, she would have been told that she would not be able to go to the house of God to worship. She wouldn't be allowed in the temples and the synagogues because she had a physical issue. And whenever she came, pe- came near people, she had to let them know, I got this issue, or if she didn't let them know, people would be yelling at her and screaming at her, unclean, unclean, and she could be oppressed, beaten, stoned, whatever the case may be. Furthermore, anyone who the woman would have touched would also have been deemed unclean. If she came and just touched you on the arm, touched you on your leg, whatever the case may be, you too would have been deemed unclean, and you would have had to go through some process to go wash yourself and void away from other kinds of people. But, in other words, since she went and touched Jesus in this, this uh, circumstance, in this situation, that he would have been deemed unclean himself. But most Jews at this time would have screamed if this woman came out and touched, uh, would have been touched by her at this time. And kind of taking a step back, like, what are you doing? Why are you touching me? You know you got these issues. You know you got these problems. You don't need to touch me. You need to get away from me, right? Kind of like a... Like when we think about this time we just went through with COVID. If someone you knew had been sick, if someone got near you, you kind of wouldn't have been taking a step back. Like, what are you doing? You know you're kind of sick. You don't need to be near me, right? Kind of this get away from me mentality. So you have this woman who's been dealing with the blood issue. She probably doesn't have any family that she can turn to. She probably doesn't have any friends that she can go near. You've got a lot of people having this pushback mentality because she has a physical condition that nobody wants to be around right? The thing she was dealing with sounds like a lot like what we just went through a couple years ago. If you knew someone was sick, you had to quarantine for 10, 14 days. You couldn't be near them. They had to take medicine, all this stuff. They had to be isolated in their own kind of bubble, set apart from the rest of this world. But let me remind you, it's not that long ago that we had to go through this. We were not allowed to be in the house of God. We, come, we couldn't be together in unison. Like I remember having to watch Facebook Live for the church, having to hear Pastor and Brother David preach. And it just, it's not the same when you are away from church. You can watch church from your phone, and that's all good and dandy, but it's never will fill the place of being in the presence of God. Just because you have something that can talk about God on your phone does not feel that same experience when you come to the altar and you lift up your hands and you've got concerns and you've got worries and you've got doubts, you take him to the place where the healer is at and he's going to do something great with that. We were issued by the government. I remember at a time, my boss, he had a, 
handwrite a letter. He said, if you, if you ever get pulled over, because they're, they're pulling people over, if you don't have a priority job, they'll give you a ticket, or you may go to jail, because they don't want, this is like a serious thing. This thing is so important going on. We don't want no one going out unless you have a priority. So he wrote me this like half-page written letter saying, by yada, 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 if this man gets pulled over, he's got like a priority job. Things were very strict, and the same way applies to this lady. But wouldn't it be like hell to come against you when you are feeling down and you're feeling lonely and you know you're dealing with some things that the devil would come against your mind? Because if the devil can't get you with a physical condition, he's going to come at your mind and he's going to come at your family. He's going to make you worry, concern, think about, do I really need to live for God? Do I really need to go to church? I've already been to church once. But is that just enough? He's going to play these games in your mind, do anything and everything he can, like throwing darts at a board. If he's too strong, I'm going to go after your family. I'm going to make everyone else, they're going to turn away from God. Are you strong enough to know that when you're going through these things, that you can stand firm in your faith and know that, hey, I got these issues, but that is not going to deter me from staying away from the house of God. I know where this place leads me, and I know where it can take me. And if I don't continuously go, I will forget about the goodness and all the mercy that God has applied to my life and all the things that he's done for my family. Because you can forget it real quick, just like a routine. When you're in church, when you're going Sundays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, things can be going really well. But you get sick for just a little while, and it's very short time that you can forget about all the blessings and all the things that God has allowed you and your family to have in a very short amount of time. And that's why it's important for us to continue to reach, teach, help out other people. When we go into the house of God, don't just go to say that I did. Don't just go so you can go to your job and say, hey, I went to church. Okay, what, what did you learn? Well, I don't really know. I was just there to say I went. We didn't really go for the right reason, let me tell you. If you go to church, know that you're investing time. You're investing. Like Pastor says, this is practice. We're, we're practicing for an eternity this is, this is not the end-all, be-all, what you see right here. This flesh and bone, this isn't it. We've got a Father that's waiting on us to reach out our hand and let other people know about the goodness and the grace that he has to offer us. But she sees Jesus with his disciples and a great multitude of people with him, right? So you've got Jesus, you've got his disciples, and you've got a lot of people around him in this setting. But you see this lady, she knows that she has something wrong, and it's probably likely in this situation that she may have witnessed someone else get healed, or she heard about all the good things that Jesus had been doing in this town. Yet she presses forth despite the consequences that may come. Now, this woman was dealing with an issue of blood. She couldn't touch anyone, but she was on her last straw. Twelve years dealing with something where she couldn't be around friends, around family. Imagine that two-year span of COVID we just dealt with. But imagine it for 12 years. You couldn't come into the house of God. You couldn't worship with like-minded believers. You couldn't go to Friday night youth rallies, all these things that we find so important in our life. Just trying to paint a picture for you. Twelve years long she was dealing with this. But yet she presses forth to she knows that there's something different about this man. All these people are falling around him, but not just by happenstance or just by accident. But there's a reason people are following him. Now, Jesus only lived on this earth for a few years, but it made such an impact that word got around quick. They didn't have telephones, they didn't have email, call, but word got around quick. It spread like fire. And when she saw that this man could do something great, she pressed forth knowing that she may be stoned or killed or locked up because of this issue that she was dealing with. 
But that's what I love about the house of God. You know what you bring to the table. You know the things that you have going on in your heart, whether good or bad. But you can come here and you don't have to be judged for what you have to offer God. You may be hurting inside. You may have family problems. You may be having relationship problems, financial problems, whatever the case may be. God knows your needs before you step in this place. And don't let the devil fool you that God can't hear or heal what you have to offer him. Because the devil is going to do everything that he can to make you forget about God or try to get you sidetracked from the things and the blessings that he has for him. So when you come into church, I challenge you, really hone in on and focus on what God has for you that day. Because we're not promised tomorrow. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you're guaranteed March, yada, 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 right? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So we've got to live today like it's our last day because I may leave this place and it may be my last time that I leave here. And I don't want to leave this place living on the tiptoe of eternity, whether I'm all for Jesus or I'm not at all, or I'm just a little bit in or just a little bit out. I don't want to live this lukewarm mentality. Even Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I don't want you to be wishy-washy. We can't be wishy-washy. We have to be all in or all out. There is no if, ands, or buts. Because when you come before God, when our time is over, you're going to hear one of two things. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me. I never knew you. You're not going to get there and say, oh, my Lord. Well, I talked about you that one time so many years ago. That isn't going to save you, people. Talking about Jesus one time will not save you. Don't let the devil fool you. Having one conversation is not going to save you. It's a continuous battle. It's a continuous fight. We have to go to the ends of earth with him as he went for us. He wrote himself in flesh and died for us. Think about that. He physically came down on this earth, and he died for each and every one of you. This just wasn't for me, just wasn't for you, but it's for all of us. All can gain from his glory, right? And just as he went to the ends of earth with us, we have to go that same distance with him. And we can't live on this timetable that I'm guaranteed another day. I'm guaranteed another opportunity. I'll have another chance next week. That person's getting healed right now, but maybe it'll be my turn next week. You're not promised that opportunity, and don't be fooled that you will. Because we've got one time and one opportunity, and this may be our last. And I want to give it all to the glory of our Father. The enemy of your soul would love to have you think that none of this matters. The time you have in the house is not important. What you have here is something that many people cherish in other nations. There's people who come overseas and they find Bibles and they're weeping in sorrow and their hearts are filled with joy because they live in a place that was tormented and they were struck down because they believed in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful and that's why when people get into car accidents, people are on the edge or the brink of death. That's why the name of Jesus is applied, because people know there's power within the name. You can have an atheist who may not believe that Jesus was here and what he's done, but whenever the time comes and the cards are stacked against them, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Not just me and you, but Donald Trump, Joe Biden, independent, Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter, all knees shall bow before the glory of God. None of us are given the exception. We all will confess that Jesus is Lord, whether you like it or not, because he is and he was and he's come here today and he's in this place today. So if you've got questions in this place that you've come in, I don't know, someone just invited me here today. I'm just here because someone invited me or I'm just here just because. Let me challenge you. Take an opportunity. Take a leap of faith. 
to explore what God can do for you. Because you don't know whether or not what tomorrow holds, what's going to happen, where your family's going to be at, where your family's going to be at tomorrow. When we pray, we anoint the name of Jesus over all of our lives. And that's why it's so important that we have baby dedication. From the start, from the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth. We have to set a precedent from the start that we're going to devote this child, devote our lives for him, for the glory of him. Because this world's going to swarm you up. This world's going to try to get you busy, going to get you honed down with your job, going to have you working a whole bunch of hours, get you away from your family, get you away from your friends. The world is going to try to consume you of what this world is all about. There's a lot of people in the construction field who are all about working 50, 60, 70 hours, and that's all they can think about is having a big paycheck. But what do they have to show for it at the end of the day? They come home, they don't have no time with their wife, their spouse, their family, no time to go into the presence of God or find that secret hiding place that they can go, hey, Lord, I know you've, you've given me all these things. I just want to let you know one more time, God, that you're, you're in me, and I want to be with you. I want to abide in you. I want to be the hands and feet of you, God. I don't want to just have my whole life consumed for all this time and all this worry and all this doubt. Let it be so focused on this world because this life is so short and you'll miss it if you get consumed and swallowed up in this world. Because it's really a game. They'll try to get you to think that this is what it's all about, making X amount of dollars, having so much time invested. But you'll miss the whole point is to live for Jesus and let him have a relationship with you. Because if we don't have a relationship with God, what are we doing? You cannot enter the gates of heaven without having a personal relationship. God is not a genie in the bottle. God does not confide in a box. Whatever things we may think, our minds are so small we can't even imagine. And God is so big and he loves us so much that he wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. Not just for the black, not just for the white, not for the Hispanic, but for all he came He doesn't care what language you speak, how you talk, how you dress, what clothes you have, what car you drive. This is not a financial thing. This is a spiritual thing and having a relationship with him. Just as you have family and you have friends, you all have to communicate with them to have a relationship. And that's the same way it applies to living with God. We have to live with God, him be in us, take him with us. So when we see hurting people, when we go to the altar and you feel the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit nudge you, hey, you need to go pray for this person. It's when in those moments, in those times that you've learned things and you know how to pray and you know what to do, that you can allow God to use you in those moments because that person may be the only Jesus that you see. Whether you realize or not, when you go to work or you go to company meetings, whatever it may be, there's people who don't know about the glory of God. And what you have inside of you is powerful. It's great and it's strong. And we have to be strong enough and courageous enough to reach out to these people and let them know, hey, I know you've got this issue of blood. Hey, I know you've got these family problems. I know that people aren't really nice to you, aren't very kind to you. But let me give you an open arm. Let me, let me lift you up a little bit because that's what the Lord is saying to all of us today. Come. I know you've got all these things going on in your life. And I know everyone wants to badmouth you and talk bad about you. But I just want you to come. It isn't so much for me to get out of my pew, get out of my place of comfort and my place of home when I come to church to just stand up and go to the altar and lift up my hand and say, God, these hands are your hands. These feet are your feet. God, I don't have it all together, but this is all yours, God. This air that I breathe, this heart that beats, it's all because you allow it to be. 
because of you, God. And I want to have that same relationship with him. Because all the people that we hear about in the Bible, how David was a good shepherd. And early in the morning he saw him. That's how I want to be. So whenever my time goes, when people read about me, I don't want them to just say, oh, Jarek was a such and such kind of guy. He was just a, a funny kind of guy. A looking kind of funny kind of guy. But that man had a heart of God that you knew when he came into church, he meant business. This is a relationship, and this is a priority that we must make from the moment that we wake up. Hey, this world is filled with sickness and sin, but I'm going to be strong enough because my God is strong, and he's put that in me. So whenever I go in the world and people want to bash me and rag on me, I can just say, all right, okay, that's fine. But I love you. Will you come to church with me? What are you doing this weekend? That God calls all of us to love our enemies too. Just because people are bad-mouthing you and saying all these things about you doesn't mean that you can't be the bigger person and let them know, hey, that's all right. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, I love you. I know you're saying all these things about me. You don't even know me. You don't even know my story. You don't even know where I've been. You don't know how hard I've worked to get to this situation, this place, this time, this hour. It was a struggle for me to come into the house of God, but it was God's grace that got me through to the next day. And without him, I'm just living for nothing. But it's because of him that I can make it to the next day. John 10 verse 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. The Lord came for every one of us and he knew that the devil was going to come at you. The devil tempted Jesus. The devil tried to get at him and nag at him. The things, the emotions that we feel in our heart, we think that we're the only ones dealing with it. You're wrong. God has already felt all the emotions, all the turmoil in our hearts, and all the things, all the emotions that we feel in this place today. He's already felt it. And he knew that just because he went and saved us, he knew that the enemy was going to come. He knew that he was going to come and try to attack our hearts. Little by little. It may not be a lot, He may just try to get you to cut out your Bible time by five minutes a day. Here and there, try to get you too focused on work or something else that's not really important in this world. Because this life is so short. So short. And a life can be taken at an instant. We've lost some people in this church today in, in this recent time that I hold near to my heart. But God has a plan for every one of us. And don't lose sight. And don't think that God is not celebrating heaven with Brother Jerry. We've got some people that have gone on to seek their reward, and we're glad that they're, they don't have to feel no pain. They don't have to feel no suffering. They don't have to worry anymore. But we can continue on the things that people have gone on before us, and we can continue to preach the message of God and the truth about Jesus because Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive, and he's well, and he's calling all of us to be greater than we are today. He didn't come just for the saints, but he came for the sinners. He didn't come for the rich, but he came for the poor too. So if you don't think you have anything to offer God, you're still alive, you're still breathing, you got arms that can move, you got feet that can stomp, those are all things that you can use to glorify our Father today. So whenever the 11 o'clock hour hits and you think that you're not worthy enough, all of us fall short of the glory of God. But all of us can still come into his presence and let him know that one more time, God, I got all these things going on, but I can still praise you one more time. And that's enough, and that's what's going to get me to tomorrow. But even when you fall short, God makes up the difference. At the beginning of John 8, you will read about how Jesus comes into the temple, and he sits down, and he starts teaching. 
But the scribes and Pharisees, the people who knew the law, who were strict about the law, they wanted things done by the book. But they were there. They were trying to reach out and try to get Jesus to say something against his word. They bring a woman to Jesus who had committed adultery, and they brought her before him. And they tell Jesus she was taken because she was caught for adultery, and because the law of Moses would say such a thing for this woman to be cast down and stoned to death. So they're kind of fishing a little bit, saying, here, I got this woman, she's done wrong, and here you are, you're teaching all these people, but what do you got to say about this woman? Have you ever been in a situation where you know you've done wrong, you don't feel good about it, but you know the world is just trying to beat you and trying to make an example out of you and just trying to stomp you out and let you know, you're so wrong, you're such a sinner, how could you live for God? You ever, you ever felt like that in your mind that you may not be perfect and you messed up and you're just trying to do better, but the world won't let it just slip by. They have to make an example, make a point that you know that you've done wrong. They said these things trying to tempt Jesus, trying to accuse him, trying to get him to say something that goes against his word, but instead he just stoops down and he starts writing in the ground, trying to act like I'm not even trying to worry about what you guys are saying. And in John 8, verse 7, it says, So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. The world may try to beat you down, stomp you out, put you out, but just remember, all of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. None of us are perfect. So just remember these things. We all fall short, but he who has not sinned, let him throw the stone at her first. And one by one, being convicted of their own conscience, left one by one only to leave Jesus with this woman. All alone. All these people, all these naysayers. There's a lot of people who want to rag on what everyone has to say. But one by one, they felt convicted in their own hearts that, hey, I know I've done wrong too. And I was just about to just throw the stone and kill this lady myself. But he makes an excellent point that we're all falling short. And one by one, they leave. And in John 8, verse 10 through 11, it says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This world is going to try to beat you and claw at you and get you to say and do every wrong thing there, there is. But God's just saying, Just come. There's a place of healing. There's a place of hope. And there's a future for tomorrow. If you'll just come to this altar, if you'll just step out in faith and just reach out your hand and just look for me, I am he. He's the one who gives us deliverance. And he's saying that I don't care what they said about you. I don't care what you've done. Don't go sin it. Don't be going and sin anymore. But you're forgiven. You don't have to worry about what everyone else said because no one else is here to accuse you because they all have done wrong too. None of them are perfect. So when you feel these worry and doubt and lonesome thoughts at night that everyone else is trying to beat you up and saying all these bad, raggedy things about you, know that they've all sinned too. No one is perfect like our God. We all have done wrong. But it's in those times of hurt and those times of doubt that we can remember the grace of God that we all fall short, but we can lift up our eyes to heaven and say, God, forgive me. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers, but I know who holds the answers. And that's when you come to the house of God, you can know, hey, I got all these things wrong with me, but I am no different than any of y'all. We're all sinners, and we can all come to this place and let God know that he's worthy, and I'm not. I don't have it all together, but he has it all together. He holds all the answers. He has everything that I need. If we'll just come, 
and just let him know that, God, I have one more opportunity, and I'm going to use it for your glory. If you think that you have gone too far, but you can't be redeemed, you're wrong. This place is filled with power. This place is filled with such glory that when you come in here, you, there's a different kind of spirit. There's a different kind of feeling. If you think that you, maybe you haven't gone to church for a very long time, or maybe this is your first time in church, just know that God is with you and God is on your side fighting your battles for you. There's people who come against you that you don't even know about, that God is fighting for you on your side. But you can come in, in this place without worry or fear of judgment or fear of persecution, just as other people are in countries, and we can realize that how blessed we are as a free nation to come into the house of God without worrying about if someone else is going to come through that back door and try to take us down. But this is a place of healing, and this is a place of hope. And I just want to remind all of y'all today, if you've got a condition, just like the woman with issue of blood, it may be physical, maybe mental, a financial situation you're going through, a struggle you're going through, You've come to the right place. What a better time to be in the house of God. When the whole world wants to put down our God, what a time to come and be filled up by the Holy Ghost one more time. One time is not going to satisfy, but another opportunity to lift him up and ask him to fill me up, God. I want to feel that Holy Ghost presence. I want to be filled up one more time, just as I was when I was a young person. I don't want to forget how it was when you first filled me up with your great spirit. Because that's when I'll get complacent. That's when I'll think that it's all good and dandy. I was baptized once, and that's all there is to it. You're wrong. There is more to it than what the people of this world are saying. Just because you go down water baptism doesn't mean that's the end-all, be-all. It's a continuous fight. Actually, when you come out of the water, I would argue that you have a bigger target on your back because the world knows that the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life, and they want to throw everything that they can and say all these things about your God because they want to test you. And they want to see if you're going to be like the people trying to tell Jesus that this woman, she was an adulterous woman, but what do you say about her? That's what the world's going to say to you. What do you say about yourself? And it's going to try to get you to think these thoughts in your mind and try to have this turmoil within yourself. But you remember, I went down in there, and the blood's been applied to me, and I can remember, no matter the doubts, the fears that I have in my mind, I know that my God is greater than any situation any problem that comes my way, and I can look my eyes to the hills and remember the faithfulness of what he's done for me and my family and how he can change your life too. You see, the days of worry are over. We are on the side of victory, whether you may feel like you're in a low place right now, but God has already won the victory. We are in a place that is filled with victorious people. So when you see people dancing, jumping, shouting, those are all things of joy and power and excitement. And don't look down on them. If you're not used to or accustomed to people having an apostolic feeling, moving their hands, praising worship, jumping up and down the aisles, you don't know the things that these people have gone through. People have lost a lot of family in this place, had a lot of people in the hospital, a lot of sickness has been dealt. But this place can be reminded that, God, you can do the impossible with such little. All i got to do is have the faith of a mustard seed, just a little bit, and God can do a lot with my life. If you'll allow him to. God's not looking for you to do all these great and wondrous things, but he just wants that little bit of obedience that says, hey, I'm just a small person, but you can use me. I don't know a lot. I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I'm not a Bible scholar, but you can use me to teach your word if you want me to. I'm a young person just as David took down Goliath. He was such a young person just doing his job, tending to the sheep and all the cattle. 
But God called him to do something greater. When the world would go and condemn Israel and say, where is your God in this situation? You're going through financial problems. You're struggling right now. A lot of your mind is going to be filled with, where is your God in this situation? You lost a family member recently. Where is your God in this situation? But you can stand on this side of victory and say, my God's already won the battle. I don't have to listen to the nonsense and the nonsayers anymore. I am on the victorious side because my God has already won the battle. All we got to do is come with him. But it was at that moment when the world was come up on that woman and it made sure to make an example out of that woman. Don't let the world make an example out of you and think that you're too gone or you're too far to come to the house of God because all of us fall short of the glory of God, but we still have another opportunity to lift him up in praise and worship because God doesn't care about the baggage you have. He doesn't care about the sins you committed yesterday or the things that you've been hiding. God just wants your obedience to come in his place and let him know it's all about him. It's not about me. He holds all the answers. I don't hold anything but these hands. I got these hands. I got these feet. And I'm going to use it to glorify his name one more time in this place. I've been baptized in your great name, and I've had the blood applied to my life. God, you've already won the victory. You hold the glory. You have it all in your hands. But I can still come and say, Lord, here it is. One more time. One more time. I've got this physical condition. I got a limp. I got a speech impediment. God can use you. You may not think that you're so smart or you're so strong. God can use you. God can use your little and turn it into a lot. If you will allow him to. If you will strip off your pride and just say, God, I've come into your house. I don't understand everything. But here's, what, here's my talents that I have before you. You've given me these talents and I'm going to use them for your glory. And he's going to turn that into a great multitude and multiply it tenfold. You don't think you can be a leader in Terrell, Texas? You don't think you can be a leader at your job? Ask God to do something in you that only he can do and see what happens. Trust in him and you will see the faithfulness and the glory of God be revealed in your life. If you don't think that you can start a Bible outreach or start a prayer circle at your job, God can use your little bit of faith and do something great with it and turn this world a 180. Because this world doesn't look good right now. It doesn't, looks like a lot of people want to start war, start dropping bombs on people, doing a bunch of nonsense stuff. But in the middle of all of this, we at LifePoint Church, we have another opportunity to say, in the midst of all my trials and all the desperation of this world, we've got this freedom in this place. We can stand up without someone else bashing us over the head, and we can just lift it all to God. We're a free people. God's already saved us all. He's forgiven your sins you got these questions in your mind, but you've come to the right place today. This place of power, this place of healing is the right place where you want to be. Because if you go to anywhere else, you're not going to be lifted up in spirit and in truth. People are just going to say, okay, whatever, whatever about this God of yours that you're talking about. You're dealing with something, well, go be about it. Do it somewhere else. You've got a support family here. People next to you, they may not be blood related, but we are all family here at this place of church. So when you're hurting, you've got a brother or a sister right next to you that's willing to reach out their arm. They don't care what you've got. They don't care what baggage you've got, but they can plead the blood of Jesus over the top of your head to the soles of your feet and let it all be cleansed away because of him. No one cares about your baggage. You may feel this fear of judgment or someone else is going to look at you when you're coming to the altar because you're all coped up and you're all 
uh, confined to this one spot in this place in church that this is all that it's ever going to be. But your circumstances, circumstances won't change until you change. You want something to change in your life? How about you get out of your pew and you go seek God? How about you get up, you raise your hands. How about you get up? How about you be the first one to run the aisles? How about you be the one to start that prayer march, that praise march, that something inside you that you got the Holy Ghost feeling inside you. Let him do a working of you. You got these things going on, but let God use you to do something great. Don't let the devil think that he's not hearing you. He doesn't hear all the things that you talk to God about. God knows your thoughts before you even think them. He knows your prayers. He knows your concerns. All your family, all the people that you have concern about coming to church and seeking one more day of God, he knows all these things. But these circumstances won't change until your praise changes. You want God to do so much for you, but yet you sit on the back pew and think, why them? Why them? Why never me? Woe is me. Woe is me. Why is everyone else getting blessed? Why are you the only one sitting at the back of your pew, never willing to step out in faith and believe that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I believe that I will be healed. Everyone else is around him. Everyone else is pressing forth. But I'm willing to step out and press through to get all that. If I touch the hem, just a little bit of his garment, I believe I'll be made whole. If I can just come to the altar and just lift up my hands, I believe that I will be forgiven. I believe that he will do something to me. I believe because he has the victory. So I want us all to stand in this place. There's tons of needs in this place, in this house today. All of us have them. And it would be just like hell to come at you in your darkest times and your lowest points to think that there is no God, there is no Prince of Peace, there is no hope. But that's all wrong. You've been told the wrong side of the story. You've got it all wrong. You are in a place of victory. This means victory. This is victory. Lord, you're mighty. Lord, you're great. God, you're all-consuming. God, you're all-powerful. Speak with your words and see what he can do. If you want these things to change in your life, then you've got to go on the edge. Not tiptoe, not all out, but you've got to be all in for the name of Jesus. We're not a lukewarm church. We're not some watered-down place. We believe in healing and we believe in hope and we believe in faith that your life can change the things that you're dealing with in your mind. They can be healed in a moment if you believe that God is who he says he is. If I can touch just the hem of his garment, that I will be made whole. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together, Lord. We're a blessed people, but only because you allow us to be blessed, God. We thank you for another opportunity to just lift you up and praise and worship, God. You're all-consuming. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing, Lord. And we just ask that you just soak these people in like sponges, God, and let us be used for your kingdom, God. And we just ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen.